When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Hi, this is Tom Cock. Welcome to Talking Real Money. I was subbing in today a little bit for Don McDonald, who uh, has been here for every podcast since, uh, well, I think since Jimmy Carter was walking the halls of uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. So it's been a while. And if anybody deserves a day off, it's Don. He just uh, came out and joined us for retirement. So it was good to see him in person. I know many of you felt the same way. So it's great. And I'm going to be here talking a little bit about uh, money and take a few of your questions and sort of maybe help you exhale a little bit after today's meltdown with stocks. And today being Wednesdays, again, I mentioned May 18th. I think this is going to air at a later date, but it's uh, still difficult in some ways. The NASDAQ, I think, lost 5%. The S&P lost like 4%. I, I took a look. It looks like the Standard & Poor's uh, 500 is now down somewhere around 16 or 17% for the year. They hadn't sort of settled the uh, year-to-date numbers when I had to go record this. So it, you know, I understand it's, those things are difficult, no question. Uh, I took a few phone calls the last few days. Two gentlemen, uh, one <laughs> said, yeah, I think I'm getting out. I'm done. And another one said, you know, I wish you'd let me sell out in February. <laughs> one of whom is a, a real estate agent. I said, wait a minute. So in let's just say 2009 after the real estate market went straight down if you'd gone to zillow and seen that your house was down 25 or 30 percent would you have just said that's it i'm out i sold and he said "Mm, no i said then why do you want to do that with stocks and the other person i talked to today said you know i don't know that i can handle this day after day after day and those are fair things uh and that's all going on while the headline today which i just loved was uh, Buffett buys stocks as market falls. Now, of course, if you've been an investor for any period of time, you know Warren Buffett. I mean, he is, what, the the greatest investor of our time? And the Wall Street Journal says he's used the slump as an opportunity to increase spending on stocks, deploying tens of billions of dollars the past couple of months after ending 2021 with a near-record cash pile. Mr. Buffett, an inherent of value investing, has long advised that investors be greedy when others are fearful. Be greedy when others are fearful. In other words, be the buyer when people say, I got to get out now. I can't take this anymore. Yeah, the, the paper points out that it, that's, that's been hard to follow last two years uh, when, you know, the investors mood have been anything but fearful. And by the way, we really haven't had a very long lasting bear market since 2008, 2009. The reality is 2020 was very sharp down and very sharp right back up. Uh, Berkshire is in a prime position to add to its mammoth stock portfolio. Cash is dry powder and he has a lot out of it, said one a person who follows Warren Buffett. So Buffett's a buyer right now. Frankly, if I had cash, I'd be buying too because I love buying things on sale. But my asset allocation is already deployed, if you will. I'm adding money every couple of weeks into my 401k. So 
in many ways, I'm glad to see prices go down because I'm putting more in, get more shares at a lower price every single day. But what about you? You're out there listening saying, oh, this is really hard to take day after day. And it's been, you know, it was a difficult first quarter. And then we had a little bit of recovery the last few days. And then boom, uh, May 18th, not unlike uh, 42 years ago today, when Mount St. Helens blew up, the market kind of blew up. And I'm one of those, sadly, who's old enough to remember that day very well here in the Northwest when the volcano went off and uh, took over 50 lives and really devastated things here in the Northwest for a period of time. But what do you do with all that? Should you be selling? And I think you already know the answer is uh, no. But if you did, here's some things I can guarantee you of. Number one, if you sell now, I can guarantee that you'll end up with less money in the long run. Because when are you going to get back in? And how are you going to know when to get back in? And who's going to tell you when to get back in? And are you going to have some sort of discipline as to get back in? You're going to be waiting and hoping and praying that the market goes down more, and then you're going to be brave enough to get in? I don't think so. Most people that get out after, you know, as I say, the market's down, the S&P 500, somewhere between 15 and 17% year to date. And and uh, by the way, a global portfolio is down much less than that. But I can guarantee you'll end up with less money. Number two, it will wreck your plan and you should have one. In other words, your asset allocations should reflect your need to make money, your ability to take risk and how long until you need the money. If you need the money in the next few years, well, then you shouldn't be messing around with stocks anywhere. But if 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 it's more than five years and the market goes down, and even if we get into bear market territory, it frankly, it just doesn't matter. But if you sell out, that will wreck your plan because most times when we do financial plans for people, which should be at the middle of your investing, the, the core, they need to be invested for a long period of time. They need to get the market's returns. We don't know when those will be. We don't know if a new bull market will start tomorrow or next week or next month. So you got to be properly invested all the time. And number three is you will lock in losses. If you sell now, you are selling after the market's gone down, which is never a good idea. You know, and so the thing is, you got to find it inside of yourself. And here's another thing to think about. If you're a seller of stocks right now, really, what are you saying at the end of the day? Is it the volatility? Is it the worry? Or frankly, are you sort of giving up? Because uh, today on CNBC, which I watched for a few minutes right at the market close, they said this was the the giving up trade day. In other words, people sort of chucked the towel in, said, ah, this isn't going to work. Inflation, poor earnings, whatever it is, going to bring the market down and I don't want to be a part of it. But if you are a seller of stocks, especially if you're a seller of all your stocks, you're really kind of giving up on companies, on capitalism, on the future, optimism, hope, because that's what investing in stocks really is. It's not a gamble. It's not a roulette table. What it really is, is an investment in the future, an investment in companies, many companies, thousands of them. And so when you chuck it in, when you say that's enough, I've had it, what you're really saying is capitalism isn't going to work. And 
I don't know the alternative. Uh, certainly bonds have not provided the alternative over the long time or term in terms of, of uh, returns. Uh, certainly uh, real estate has not either. Certainly uh, bank uh, deposits have not. So there hasn't been another place that has returned as much money that than being invested in companies, in capitalism. And so my advice to you is when you want to jump, when you want to give up, think that through. Think about the fact that, and Don points this out, that over a very long period of time, the economies of the world through world wars and depressions and pandemics and all those kind of things that have come along has continued to grow. And the companies that supply the goods and services we want, well, guess what? They've continued to grow and they've had earnings that have continued to grow. And that has meant more money to investors than really anything else. So take a deep breath. Realize that the, the, the ups and downs, the volatility is the thing that has made you the money. And then let it go. Let it be, maybe, because I did just see uh, Paul McCartney, and he was saying that as well. All right, let's go to a few of your questions. You can, by the way, go to TalkingRealMoney.com, TalkingRealMoney.com. And the contact us form is there. These are coming as form submissions. This one comes in from Wayne. He says, hey, guys, I recently retired with a million dollars in the Fidelity 2020 target date fund. The share price has gone down significantly in the past year. Appears to have dropped more than stocks and bonds in general. Can you explain what's going on? Are there alternatives that I should consider? That's a great question from Wayne in South Carolina. And I want to make sure, first of all, Wayne, that this money is in an individual retirement account or a 401k because people that had target date funds in taxable accounts and the shenanigans that happened uh, last year with Vanguard cost them a incredible sum of money, big taxes that were due. So this, you really got to make sure these target date funds are in retirement or qualified type accounts. That's number one. Then what about the Fidelity 2020 target date fund, FFFDX? So let's take a look at this fund. Uh, first of all, it has an expense ratio of 59 basis points, 0.59. I find that kind of spendy. And when we compare it to the Vanguard 2020, you'll see what I'm talking about. Then in terms of the actual asset allocation, the types of assets, stocks, bonds it owns, 23% of the money is allocated to U.S. stocks, 26% to international. Then it has 44% in bonds and 5% in cash. So it's about half in stocks, half in bonds or cash. I wish they didn't have such a large amount uh, allocated to cash, but they do. They may need that for people withdrawing the money. I don't know. And this is certainly a 50-50 would be a reasonable asset allocation for someone who, like you, is retired or nearly retired. It's You're designed to get you 5-6%, something in that area. It's done more than that over the long haul, but that's about right. And, and I looked at the 10-year return. The FFFDX has made 6.7% a year going back 10 years. Not bad, not great, but that's about what you expect in a 50-50. So, and the things I don't like about it are 21% of the portfolios in giant companies, which have had a giant return in the last 10 years. So you really want to be in the other ones. And it only has three and a half percent in smaller companies, which the academics are going to tell you you want to have a more sizable allocation to. And I think our friend Paul Merriman sometimes says you could use a target date fund and then take use that for 80 percent and put 20 percent in a U.S. small cap value fund. So you have a little more of a tilt to small. But at any rate, so this is a reasonable asset allocation. I don't like the cost of it. I find it to be spendy, especially when I compare it to the Vanguard 
2020 fund, VTWNX, VTWNX, which is only eight basis points. Now, remember, we're paying almost 60 for the other one. So I think that's like one eighth of the cost. I mean, it's incredibly cheaper. And then if you dig down into the Vanguard 2020 asset allocation, you got 25% in U.S. stocks, international 17. And then this one's a little more conservative, 52% in fixed income and 3% in cash. So you're you're closer to a 40-60. And this is one of my struggles with the target date funds because people think, well, if I buy the 2020 target date fund, that's the same in every fund family. Not true. You need to look at these. So this is a little more conservative. It also, by the way, has a little less allocation to the giant funds and a little smaller allocation to small. But here's the thing. Over the last 10 years, remember the Fidelity a target date 2020 made 6.72. This fund made 7.03, so a little bit more. And I would suspect that into the future it would make more just because it's cheaper. Uh, it might That might be balanced out by its somewhat more conservative allocation, but those things change as well. So, I mean, I think either of them is okay. If, it was, if I was putting my money somewhere, I'd go with the Vanguard product because at eight basis points, that is cheap, 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 and you're getting a pretty decent allocation. Wayne, thank you for listening and for writing. Uh, and then we got one top, one more here. This one comes from Randy. And Randy says he manages money holistically as one giant pot of money to divide among asset classes, as you both advocate. So thank you for that. Um, the question is around the Thrift Savings Plan, TSP. This is a, a, a savings plan used by government employees. And the G Fund. The G Fund, of course, is the government bond fund. And he points out the government bond fund is a special fund that does not decrease in value, which, frankly, I had not realized until I read that. And as a 10-year return close to the Vanguard total bond fund, he says, is it logical for me to dedicate all of my bond allocation to the G Fund because of the security it provides color me conflicted because slightly less return without principal risk looks appealing. Am I missing something? Well, let's take a look at first the G fund, which is a very interesting setup. These are bonds that the government issues only for the G fund. Nobody else can buy them. And the pricing is, it's pretty interesting. Weighted average um, yield of 181 US treasury securities on the last day of the previous month. Then you start looking at the returns, the 10 year return, at 1.9% a year, a five-year return, it's going to sound familiar, 1.9%. And year-to-date, it's actually up a 65 basis points, where most bond funds have really been getting brutalized this year. Uh, in aggregate, it's the loss between 8 and 10%. So it's been really tough as interest rates have gone up. And the expectation, of course, the Federal Reserve promising yesterday that may have helped the market tumble today that yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're really gonna put the hammer down on rates to try to get inflation back under control, which apparently is not. But so the G fund is pretty conservative. The returns have been okay, but the federal government has another bond fund, the F fund. Now this is more of an aggregate bond. It has seventy percent uh, of the holdings in government bonds, but it has thirty percent in corporate bonds, and it has a little longer maturity. And so the F fund. The 10-year return, remembering that the G fund made 1.9% a year, the F fund 2.8, and the five-year at 3.1. So that's done a little bit better. And then you you brought up the comparison of the Vanguard total bond VBTLX or BND, the uh, exchange traded fund equivalent, the 10-year there, 1.5. So the results are actually a little worse. And I think that has a lot to do probably with the 
absolutely horrendous first quarter of the year. Uh, probably if you went through the end of last year, the VBTLX has made more. But what about this? Should it just put it all in the G fund or should it be using the Vanguard total bond? Uh, here's a, my take. If your money was in the TSP, here's how I would divide it for the bond fund part. I would put two thirds in the F fund. Again, that's a little longer maturity, a little broader diversified, and we expect a little more return, which it definitely has done, 2.8 to 1.9. And then a third of it in the G fund, which is really the stable value, if you will. It's not designed to produce much yield, but at the same time, it's designed to give you pretty good protection. Uh, So again, two thirds in the F, one third in the G and get on with your life. Uh, thank you, Randy, for the question. I think it's a, a really good one. You know, and many of you have I've talked to here and did at Retire Meet as well. And thank you for joining us. And and, and at Retire Meet, uh, some of the segments are going to be going up very soon online, so you'll be able to see all the various topics that we covered. But a number of you came up and said. You know, I don't know that I have the right uh, asset allocation. I'm a little worried about my plan for retirement. And many of you uh, got retire maps. You got started. So we're here to help you. You know, you know that being regular listeners. So if you have questions about your asset allocation, you're worried about the market, you're worried about whether or not you have enough money, chat with one of our advisors. You get absolutely free help from us. All you do is go to TalkingRealMoney.com, click on contact. We will set you up. There's no cost or obligation. There's no high pressure sales, none of that. And uh, we are here really to help you uh, get it right and, and be able to sleep at night and not worry about your money. I think money has a place in your life, but not a big one, not as big as many people make it. So take advantage of all that. Don will be back here soon. And of course, this weekend, if you want to join us Saturday uh, from noon Pacific or three o'clock Eastern live, um, you can do that and ask us questions. We're here again to help you. I hope you enjoyed this uh, Talking Real Money. Look forward to chatting with you again. I'm Tom Cock. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.